1: to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy and I'm Addy and you're listening to Series 10, Episode 9, The Sojourn. And let's start it off with some announcements.
0: Our first announcement is a reminder that we are coming up on the end of Series 10. And as per usual, we are going to be doing a thing we like to call post game chatter. Postgame Chatter is when the entire cast gets together and we answer your questions. Uh, And this is your final reminder that those questions are due by the end of the day today, Tuesday, August 27th. To get your questions into us, you can send them through any of our social media, which is uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Or you can send them through our website, EssentialMPCs.com.
1: You can ask us questions about this series, the podcast in general. This will be the last post-game chatter. So we already have a bunch of questions rolling in, looking back at the podcast in the wider lens. That's awesome. You can really send us any questions you want. If you send questions for post-game chatter, we will answer them. And our other announcement for today uh, is that while... As announced during the last episode, the Essential NPCs podcast is coming to an end. We are continuing to chug along, uh, creating content on Twitch. We are continuing forward, streaming actual play content of Manifest the RPG every other Tuesday. And we just kind of hit a milestone where the time has come to decide whether or not we continue with the characters we've been playing on Twitch who are characters that can be found in the quick start guide available to Kickstarter backers, or if we should start up a new campaign with brand new characters made from the wider rules of Manifest the RPG. Either way, the content we're putting on our Twitch stream is moving beyond the confines of the quick start guide. The characters have leveled up too far for us to just keep playing with the basics.
0: So while you're heading over to our Facebook to send your post game chatter questions, take a moment to take the poll on our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com/slash manifest the RPG, and let us know what you'd rather have us do on Twitch and what will eventually land on this RSS
1: feed. And that wraps it up for the announcements for this week. So it's time to move on into Words with the GM. Hello, hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hi. is. The last Words with the GM for the Essential NPCs podcast. The series finale will not have Words with the GM because we have to save some room for that post-game chatter at the end of it. So we opened the door last week for anyone to submit what they wanted us to talk about for this last Words with the GM. And we got an excellent submission from Katn Gerke. Katn asked us to discuss... How do you end a campaign the right way? Not so much a good versus bad ending, but the kind of swan song that wraps up the plot lines and sees your PCs relatively satisfied with walking away from a character that they've come to love.
0: That's a heavy question, but one that I'm really happy to, uh, to talk about, and I'm sure Tommy can chime in as well. We have the benefit of, uh, on the Essential NPCs podcast, of knowing just how long our seasons are going to be. For the long seasons, we've got about 80 hours to play, and on the shorter seasons, we've got about 20. So what that means is that everyone who's at the table knows how much time they have to wrap up the character arcs that are important to them. And and that's, uh, probably the first, uh, and best advice that I can give not to start a podcast and just know, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, to, to set it up. So when you as the GM know that the end of a campaign arc is coming to let your let your characters know and go like hey folks I only have you know X amount of sessions left planned uh, for this arc so if there's anything you want to work with me on to make sure that we incorporate and resolve let me know uh, and I'll see what I can do that kind of thing uh, I've found really helpful in our home games and on the podcast as well just reminding hey guys it's episode 17 if you've got anything to do now's the time to do it
1: yeah the the thing you'll find if you if you kind of highlight that the end is is on the horizon is the players will kind of step up and and assist you with kind of finding those story moments that will help them walk away satisfied. And and obviously this is a, this is something that you won't always have the privilege of doing right. Oftentimes you won't start a campaign with a set amount of sessions in mind. And even if you do, there's no guarantee that the table won't kind of fall apart before you get to what you wanted the end to be. So it's obviously not something you're always going to have the advantage of doing. I I can't even count the number of times I've started a campaign with people and then the group just kind of fell apart. We never really got anywhere close to what would have been a good stopping point for that story. Um, But in those moments where you have a committed group of players that are going to play to the point where you're like, I think I'm out of content. I think I'd like to wrap up this story. Like that, that means you have a, a table of players who are definitely interested in getting those story beats. So if you let them know, you know, that they have uh, that the end is in sight, even if it's a long ways away, uh, then they'll start assisting you and and focusing their characters on the things they want to achieve before they say goodbye to them.
0: And one other bit of advice that I can say on this topic is that a lot of less experienced GMs will build an entire world, name every bridge and town and NPC and know all of the bad guys and everything that's going on. And it is an amazingly built, really piece of of RPG art. But a lot of times that will actually have the disadvantage of not having the focus uh, for the players to feel like they're discovering new things or for the GM to adapt to the crazy things that the players do that the GM never thought of. And one thing I would suggest is build that world, but make it an outline rather than a fully detailed novel of a GM notebook where uh, everything is ready and raring to go because some of some of what makes homebrews so so special is the ability to create on the fly and the ability to be flexible. And if you're always dropping hints for the next big thing or, you know, that there are three bad guys who are after said team at any given moment, you can end up losing the drive to to go out and and adventure or uh, discover what's happening. Um, doing sort of an an incremental thing where you can drop hints. Um, but one one big bad at a time is, I think, a really good way to get that practice of, of of wrapping up campaign arcs and then checking in with your players and being like, hey, folks, I've got three sessions left with this big bad. Uh, do you guys want to keep telling stories with these characters? Do you want to roll up new ones? Uh, where are you guys at as a table uh, and checking in with your players? And I think... We've always said this. uh, It's just it all comes down to communication, Um, really checking in with your players and having that open door policy of, you know, I'm here to tell a story with you, not at you or be like your servant to to carry your stories. Um, It is a group effort and a group activity. And I think that that is the most important thing, that incremental
1: uh, group check in. I like your your notion of kind of telling the stories in uh, in contained arcs, like almost like you're doing like, you know, season one, season two, season three. Right. Uh, Where like there's possibly stuff that could go on between all of the different uh, seasons, but each season is kind of wrapped up. Right. So that like you can check in with, you know, your players, which in this analogy are like the network and being like, hey, are we still on for another season? Or is this, are we, do you have to just like wrap it up all here? Is this going to be the end of it? That That's a really smart way of looking at it for sure.
0: And actually some great advice that you can find in a published RPG book is in the Monster of the Week book. Uh, they have a really great little section. It's only a couple of pages of how to frame what sessions should be because they have a sort of like TV-esque mechanic uh, to their games where every session is an episode, every, you know, campaign arc is a season, and then a series uh, is, is made up of multiple campaign arcs. If you have the book, you should go ahead and read that part of the GM section. I think it's really helpful to start orienting yourself toward that that incremental storytelling.
1: Also, if there's, like, too many plot threads just, like, laying around and you don't even know how to even start tying them up, if there's ones that aren't incredibly engaging or important to your characters, don't be afraid of, like, leaning into existing tropes. It's If there's a really, really easy but, like, kind of conventional way to wrap that that, like, weird little thing that's going on, like, on the fringes of your campaign – do that right like there's no reason to reinvent the wheel with every little plot thread find the ones that are really important and focus on giving those the spotlight for your finale
0: tommy and i have had the uh, privilege and pleasure to uh, get really good at making sure plot threads get tied up
1: over the past 10 seasons and, and again we can't Undersell how much our players have assisted us with doing that. Everyone being on board with like wrapping it up helps so much. Yeah.
0: Player enfranchisement is a huge deal in, in getting your campaign to a place where it feels like it can naturally end. And I, I think a lot of it is cultivating a table culture that's uh, productive and cooperative and generally just being open and honest with your players and yourself about how things are going at your table, because that's going to be the way that you can leave with your story told and your characters stories told
1: as well. But we have a story that we're trying to wrap up right now. The Church of Many Tentacles is right on the cusp of potentially completing their goals for this series. We left on a little bit of a cliffhanger there. We're back in Six Towers. Things are looking hairy. So let's move on in and listen to Series 10, Episode 9, The Sojourn.
2: Enjoy. Hello, neighbor. I'm Brother Theodore. Growing up in Duskfall isn't easy for most, but I've been blessed to have a wonderful life in this nightmare city. Do you have a moment to talk about The Church of Many Tentacles? Our fantastic, legitimate religion has four easy-to-follow tenets that guide our path. We strive to be good neighbors, help the elderly, usher in the end times, and recycle! Using these goals as my compass, I was able to open my own cozy little tea shop in six Towers. Radich's tea and tea accessories is a great place for the community to find some respite from the endless darkness and daily horrors of the city. Our congregation has been meeting there while we make preparations for the church's most important ritual. After months of planning and gallons of tea, we were finally ready to summon Aralax, praise be their many tentacles, and let them recycle the world. Aralax arrived, bestowed their glorious destruction on the surrounding area, and then disappeared just like that. Most of our members were recycled. It was only through the grace of Aralax's many tentacles that I survived to continue our mission. I'll admit, I was very disappointed when we failed to usher in the end times. But it was a good first step. I'm rallying the surviving congregation, we're getting out of Duskfall, and we're figuring out our next steps. After all, starting over
3: is just another term for recycling. Hi. They call me Brother Dub. They say one man's trash is another man's treasure. I'm fond of tinkering, and there's plenty of treasure to go around. It's amazing some of the perfectly fine things people will throw out around Duskfall. It's ridiculous how offended they get when they find me in their dumpsters digging out their slightly damaged treasures. Even a broken thing can be remade, and that's what I specialize in. But it's gotten me into trouble. Sometimes I get so excited I forget to tell people I've improved their treasures, and they don't like that. But that was all before I met Brother Theodore. You see, the Church of Many Tentacles admires my abilities to recycle what I find. It's one of their main pillars of their belief. And for the first time, I, I feel accepted. Now I have purpose and I can finally make a difference with my talents, recycling for the greater good. At first, I wasn't entirely sold on the end of the world part, but Brother Theodore kept telling me that the world is just a bigger treasure that needs recycling. and I specialize in recycling.
4: My name is Brother Gawk, and I've never been the luckiest guy. The people at the orphanage used to say I got left on every doorstep in Six Towers. As a kid, I wound up in a gang of street urchins pilfering coins, secrets, and ghostly echoes for the reclusive vampire Lord Skurlock. But no one stays at Ragamuffin forever. <laughs> Eventually, I aged out of gutter sniping and had to go into the pickpocket business on my own. It turned out I had also aged out of not getting beaten half to death when I got caught. (laughs) Until I met Brother Theodore. I was red-handed, but he was just nice to me. He invited me to his shop, gave me some tea, and introduced me to the Church of Many Tentacles. When I was initiated as assistant ritualist, everything felt perfectly set up to give this horrible world the ending it deserved. So how did it all go so wrong?
5: Brother Dirkman. Hi. Look, this won't take long, will it? Okay. I got involved with the church after I fell out with the Abyssal Legionnaires. You know, the hired guns they use on the Leviathan Hunters. They taught me to shoot, I guess. I don't know. The finer points, maybe. seems to me it's a skill you're born with, but maybe that's just because I'm so fucking good. Whatever. So, yeah. I spent a lot of time beyond the lightning fence. A lot of time. Deathlands will fuck you up. They should have been consumed in the almighty maw of Aralax, you know, just like everything else. I am so pissed that ritual went wrong. (sighs) Oh this oh this is Admiral Quibbles. She was Vice Admiral until just this morning. She's worked so hard, she's earned it. Yes, yeah, yes, she has. Yeah, she has. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know pigeons don't have military ranks that we know of. Anyway, yeah, uh, before that I was just a powder boy, and before that I was a chimney sweep. Just a bunch of dingy, tiny, sooty places. So yeah, you know, that's why I'm so goddamn cheery all the time. We done?
1: We're done. Well, hello. My name is Morgan. Or Sister Morgan, if you want to be proper. If you've ever found yourself in one of the many underground poker halls in Duskval, you might just recognize me. I have an easy face to remember, after all, seeing as my taikarosi heritage has left me with this beautiful ash-gray skin and striking red eyes. Now, I've always had a bit of the gift of gab, a way of convincing others to do and think what I want them to. But even I have to admit, I am burdened with a short temper. A byproduct of growing up among street thugs and gang enforcers, I'm afraid. When I was running with the Bravos, if someone crossed me or my crew, I'd be the first in line to snap them in two. But once I joined the Church of Many Tentacles, I've made a point to follow its tenants in an effort to be a little more neighborly and avoid such unpleasantness when I can. The church has given me the one thing I never could find with the bravos a family that actually gives a damn about each other. So if keeping a cool head and giving folk the benefit of the doubt is what it takes to be a part of this family, well that don't seem half bad. Still, every once in a while someone needs to be put in their place and well, Sometimes I just can't help myself.
0: The last time we left the Church of Many Tentacles, they had uh, gathered enough evidence to find out that their lost lamb was in custody uh, of the Bluecoats at an inn called the Vale. They traveled there through some arcane means and realized very quickly that their Lost Lamb, who turned out to be Sister Daphne, was actually the one that betrayed them and their ritual in Giant Park. Uh, quickly dealing with their traitor, they absconded with the necessary pound of flesh that they needed uh, to collect and have returned to Radich's tea and tea accessories only to find that the surrounding area is filled with plain clothes blue coats and that their travels above ground from here to their final destination where the ritual to get out of the city must be completed in Mist Shore Park will be harrowing at best. Uh, So we pick up. You guys are in the tea shop with uh, Sister Daphne. What was Sister Daphne, uh, and what do you do now?
2: Gawk, can you do anything about the spell I've just discovered on Daphne's body? It appears to be tracking her, and by extension, us, which seems bad.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, I know all about scrambling ghost homing signals, and... Yeah, let me just easy peasy, get right in there, f- fix that right up.
2: That's great. Let's do it inside. There's going to be a riot soon.
4: What?
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. So we all go into the tea shop, I think.
1: I'll keep an eye at one of the windows uh, face in one way and uh, kind of <laughs> indicate to um, Dirkman that I got that point of egress covered if he wants to watch elsewhere.
5: Yeah, I'll make sure that I get uh, Admiral Krobbles in a nice bird's eye view. (laughs)
1: Bird's eye, because you get it. Very very good, Dirkman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. We're in tense situation, okay? I'm I'm nervous.
0: Uh, So you guys uh, walk into the tea shop. It is closed, and uh, there's no one in there. You can see, uh, looking out, sister, uh, sister Morgan, that uh, they are. It looks like the blue coats are looking for something in particular. They've started to sort of amass in groups of like two and three, discuss things, and sort of spread out. But let's see what else you can figure out. Uh, if you'd like to survey, you may, or use another skill in order to determine what exactly is happening out there.
1: What would I roll to try and read their lips?
0: You could roll study or survey. Um, If you'd like to read their body language, you could attempt to do it uh, with consort, but it would have a lesser effect.
1: Study and survey are the same for me, so I'm just going to try and read those lips. Yeah, I'm going to try and
5: survey uh, not only body language, but their positioning uh, to see if I can figure out what their uh, tactics would be. Uh, I'm going to push myself to do so.
1: I got a 4 on survey. And I got a 5.
0: Okay, so uh two things happen pretty much simultaneously. Uh the information that you gather uh is that they are trying to organize like they they haven't they don't have all the information. You think that maybe they're waiting for like a whisper or like a ghost or somebody who's got some um ghost field abilities to arrive in order to figure out exactly where the body of, of Sister Daphne is. So you know that they don't know that she's in here right now. But what you do also notice, Sister Morgan, that three of the blue coats are actually looking up at the sky. And there's one guy with a bunch of scratches and an eye patch on, um... <laughs> <laughs> that's pointing up into the sky at Admiral Quibbles and shaking his hand uh and and you can you can read his lips that's that bird
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and at the same time Dirkman you notice that uh Sister Morgan has pulled back the shades quite a bit and has been staring for a very long time out into the street. And uh, there are two blue coats uh caddy corner to where you are now staring at her, staring at another group. Um, and uh, and I'm going to tick one more blue coat raid. So there is only one tick remaining on that clock.
1: Morgan the shades the shades Morgan Oh jeez I'm I'm sorry. I but damn it. I'm. I must be going crazy. It seemed like one of those blue coats recognized Admiral Quibbles.
5: Oh yeah, uh, the admiral got into some uh, some battle tactics uh, with some blue coats and in, in the uh, in the park around the around the church. The kind of thing you'd remember, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, clearly he did. Uh, I think Fuck. it might be best to maybe divert Admiral Quibbles to a less conspicuous location.
5: Tell you what, I'll have the Admiral uh, make a beeline
1: for a position, maybe somewhere in Charhollow. Maybe they'll follow her. That might work, hopefully. I, I do close the shade, and uh, but I try to look less conspicuous doing so. Like I'm just a concerned citizen looking out for my neighbors.
0: Of course.
5: <laughs> All right, Admiral, you know your orders. Go, fly. <laughs> uh,
0: so what's next?
4: Uh, meanwhile, I think... Uh, Dub uh, Brother Theodore and I have all uh, gathered around one of the tables where we have, uh, I guess, dumped out uh, the surfeit of flesh that we collected from uh, Sister Daphne. And I'm going to pull my spirit mask back down over my face uh, and I'm going to try to attune to this beacon.
0: Uh, OK, go ahead and roll a tune. I have a six. So you are able to attune successfully to uh, the homing beacon. Uh, so you have uh, at least a grasp on it. Um, what is it that you are trying to accomplish? Uh,
4: so I think like I I like s- see the glow on, and like the the like pulsating radiating glow that these things give off when I attune to it. And uh, I do like dip my hands into it and i want to like hold it in my hand and uh i i got it i i have it uh uh i need to put it somewhere else where where do i put this thing brother dub the the tea kettle grab the tea kettle
3: (laughs) i grab a tea kettle (laughs) Take it to Gock, brother Dub. Move, come on. <laughs> well, you're the one that asked for it.
4: I, I, I think you know I can transplant this into something, and then we can make them chase after that instead of this, right?
3: I have an idea. Do it, and uh, brother Dub holds out the tea kettle to brother Gock.
4: Very gingerly, Gock tries to. I try to uh, pick up the beacon and transplant it into the kettle. <laughs> what does he mean I have an idea that
5: was my idea I told him to grab the tea whatever <laughs> so uh,
0: this will I think we'll make sure that Gok is able to completely put it into the tea kettle and then we'll go from there so Gawk, uh if you wouldn't mind rolling a tune just one more time for me uh, to see how uh, efficacious your, your ritual work is righty. Uh, A four. Okay, Uh, so Gok, you're the only one who notices this, but as you try to stuff this ghostly ritual beacon into the teapot and sort of close the lid on it, uh, it starts to sort of overflow and as it does... You sort of jam it all in. You put your like ghostly hand on the spout and on the and on the lid, and it sort of shakes for a little bit, and everybody can see that. But Gawk, you you hear sort of a and uh, like a, a tiny itty bitty little like sound barrier in the ghost field, sort of like. Bamfs out, running through the the tea shop, and and little like arcane bits that are hanging around the tea shop as decorations. Sort of like bask in the wind, uh, the the non-existent wind, uh, and you think now. Uh, you've, you've concentrated the beacon where it, it before it was sort of like a general area. Once the, the blue coats ritualists or the spirit wardens arrive, they will know the exact spot at which this beacon is, um, which can be good or bad depending on how quickly uh, you guys can deal with it.
4: I, I stand there with my hand over the like rattling tea kettle. Did it work? did it work? Of course it worked. It worked great. It's it's perfect. I did it. I did it great. I was confident and I didn't fail. And also, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it is a homie beacon. So let's uh, get it out of here right now. How about that? Oh,
3: I will take a stress to flash back. And remember, I was working on an invention for the tea shop itself. It's a trolley that's wind up and will actually take the tea to the customers. But it, uh, it kept kind of crashing into things, so we we never got around to implementing it. Apparently, it's less personal, so I uh, I pull it out of my uh, project area and uh, set the tea kettle on it, and I wind it up as much as I can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You run over to your workbench, you grab the the tea trolley uh, invention, and you strap the the teapot full of this homing beacon ritual to it and wind it up where are you pointing it
3: the opposite direction we need to go and away from the tea shop obviously
0: (laughs) okay so you pop your head out of the back door down an alley and you let it rip and i'm gonna roll a fortune roll to see how far it goes Yeah, so you let it loose down the street. It bounces over the cobbles as it goes, and gets a lucky bounce off of a recycling bin and heads right down an additional alley and uh, out of sight.
2: Dub, do you see the dent in that recycling bin? (laughs) Yes. That's why we don't use the trolley in the tea shop. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose
3: that's a fair point.
1: All right, so now we're rid of that. Do we want to wait until the Widowmakers make their move before we head to the park?
3: Uh,
2: I, I think we should get moving sooner than later, but I would like to disrupt all those blue coats out there before we get moving, if possible. Uh, give me a minute. I would like to just sit down behind the counter, take a deep breath, and commune with Aralax, the many-tentacled god, and I would like to activate Tempest. And I'm going to attempt to summon a storm with my faith in being a good neighbor and recycling and also the apocalypse.
0: Okay, so you push yourself to create a storm. What kind of storm is this?
2: It is a torrential rainstorm.
0: So uh, as you concentrate and commune with uh, Aralax, who um, you've found is is just easier and easier to connect with. Black rain begins to fall outside um, quickly and suddenly. Are you trying to do this as a setup maneuver for the sneak roll going forward? Yes. Okay. So since you are in a controlled position, you can take plus one effect or plus one die basically to, to aid your team in this in this upcoming sort of sneak
2: Uh, i will take plus one effect
0: okay so as as the team sort of uh stacks up waiting for you to finish your commuting with uh uh and the and these fat droplets of heavy rain start to to not just trickle but downpour onto the streets of six towers the the streets begin to to clear of everyone but whom you've identified as the blue coats Uh, so now the only people who are left are the people who are actively looking for you and as you begin to commune you get this feeling that airlax will will attempt to help you and usher you through the rain without it affecting you. And as you all begin to step outside, the rain sort of just makes a little parting. And it's it's just a, just a little trickle of rain f- on you. And all around you is the thundering crash of this heavy, heavy downpour that's almost impossible to be seen through. Uh, and uh, as you are obscured by the rain, everybody can roll prowl, uh, either independently or as a team
4: action.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll lead this group action if you want. I'll follow Dirkman's lead. As
4: will I. Having recently been kicked in the shins, uh, I'll let (laughs) someone else take point here. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's stopping you from being a good prowler, Gok, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was a sneak thief for several years of my career.
3: (laughs) I will also follow, and I'll exclaim, Erlex himself has blessed this.
5: Yeah, fucking praise to the
4: many tentacles, I guess. Look at the storm. Uh, not, not so loud on the praise, although, you know, amen and all that.
3: <laughs> it's just so hard to contain your excitement.
4: Yeah, that's a six for Dirkman. Morgan rolled a one. Five from Gawk.
3: Five from Dub. I got a two.
0: So, Dirkman, as you lead this sneak uh, toward uh, the the ritual site, you are in the front uh, and while the, the rain does part in front of you, it isn't parting as quickly as it is for everyone else. Uh, and, and you are taking the brunt of this, this rain, but it's not that sort of like heavy, acidic rain that normally falls on duskfall. Uh, and so while you would normally have taken to stress for this teamwork action, this rain feels like a blessing. And uh, that plus one effect is that you'll take no stress. It's <laughs> <laughs> so you you sneak through, you go past the main circle where you can see that it is just absolutely obscured. You can't even see through the main thoroughfares as you go, and it's good because you all still ha are carrying the body parts of a very recently dead individual. And uh, while you've snuck through the sort of dilapidated and spooky, even on the scale of, of Dusk vaults, six tower streets, and you sneak up to the boundary of Mist Shore Park, uh, where it's normally a relatively open uh, graveyard uh, area. Uh, it is it is now got little uh, barricades as, as it is. Like most places, cut off as the blue coats have locked down six towers. You all sort of like stack up on a corner. There doesn't seem to be a way through. And uh, when uh, it seems like you're just going to have to make a run for it, you see pouring out of an alley just half a block down from you is a mob of black soaked brutes, uh, who just run up and start clocking literally everyone they see with no discrimination. And, and they basically overrun, uh, the gate that you're, uh, standing in front of, uh, the rain seems to get heavier around you for just a moment as they pass, uh, perhaps to obscure you. And as they roll through, uh, and the Widowmaker's, continue to make a distraction uh, in the streets of Six Towers, Uh, your barricades are free and clear of any law enforcement.
4: Brother Theodore, do these neighborly ends justify these unneighborly means?
2: Gawk, I've had a long time to think about that, I say as I start leading us into the park. And while certainly... These folks running through the streets, just clobbering everyone they see, isn't exactly the most neighborly thing. I've come to see it as the first step in recycling. Sometimes, you have to destroy something so that you can recycle it into something better.
4: Amen to that, Brother Theodore.
2: Yes, well spoken. Also, none of these people live in this neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we've had this argument
5: a lot of times, and you're just now kind of on my side about this.
2: (laughs) Do you want to argue about it more, Dirkman, or do you want to move towards this ritual site?
5: We'll talk about this in the Deadlands, my friend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Miss Shore Park is a dark and overgrown space that overlooks one of the main rivers in all of Duskfall. And beyond it, you know that you can actually see the Deathlands from its boundary. This park is known to be somewhat of a tragic and romantic spot where young lovers who could not be together uh, would come here to end their lives rather than suffer apart. Uh, and slowly as, as that folklore became more and more a a reality, uh, it actually ended up being a full of memorials and other sort of, uh, permanent honorifics, uh, to these departed young people. And in the black rain, it looks like the, the statues are, are crying and, uh, and it's got a sort of grim romanticism to it as you sneak through this, this like viney, generally dour place.
4: You know, I always used to be jealous of all these lovers who died here because they knew they didn't have to die alone. And now, you know what? I feel like I don't have to die alone either. I think when the time finally comes, we'll all tie together as a family.
3: That was lovely. Thank you for that.
4: I exchange a skeptical
1: look with Dirkman.
5: (laughs) Yeah, maybe we should focus on not dying right now, and we can talk about all dying together later, okay?
4: Well, you know, not right now, but when the time comes. It was very sweet, Gawk.
1: In its own way. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
4: So is there,
5: is there a, a place in this cemetery that we, we, should, that we should try and find uh, just
2: to perform the ritual?
0: Uh, it would be appropriate to flashback to have already found that spot.
2: I'll flashback. And having lived in Six Towers for a time and been to this park, I don't think it's particularly difficult to just figure out where is the most open space in this park to set up a, a ritual. And so while everyone else was... You know, Dub was tinkering and Gawk was staring into the ghost field and Dirkman was scouting for various jobs and Morgan was gambling. I went for a walk in the park.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did. Uh, and it was really nice for what it is. And you, you ha you did find a, a spot that is uh, a nice little clearing. It's it's not wide open which is probably for the best because this ritual will be like bright light and even the black rain would probably not completely obscure it um and so you can uh pretty easily uh lead everyone to to what you think is a a really nice neighborly ritual spot
2: it's uh it's just up here it's really quite pretty when it's not raining I guess it's quite pretty in the rain, but it's different, really.
4: Yeah, I think this is where people would maybe read the last lines of poetry to each other before they went off to the arms of Aralax.
2: It's certainly possible. Let's clear out the space so we can get this ritual
3: going. <laughs> There's a lot of cops looking for us. <laughs> I start setting up the uh, components.
5: Uh, how much of a tactical nightmare is this uh, little little space that we've found?
0: it's not as bad as you might think at first glance uh there's no sight lines Mm. like uh beyond the clearing it's there's a a bunch of sort of like uh luminescent mushrooms sort of like lightly glowing around the area and uh it lensor and they have sort of an aura around them from like their spore mist and the vines on the trellises around this sort of little circular path uh, do do indeed like obscure uh, a lot of the good sight lines but what you realize is that there is a little pagoda um, in the in the center of this area that you would presumably uh set up the the actual uh ritual in um and uh if you were to climb on top of that, you could easily spot m- most people coming either down the paths or through the foliage with not ease but with a keen eye
5: yeah i think uh, I think I'll take position up here while we're setting up just to make sure that no, none of the cops peel off and, uh, and try and find us in here. Uh, also did anybody end up following the Admiral when she flew away?
0: Yeah, there were two or three, uh, including the, the, the man with the scratched face and the eye patch, who did, in fact um, start following Admiral Quibbles. Um, are you recalling her now?
5: Uh, I think I'm going to attempt to find uh, like a square where there would be a lot of pigeons congregated and have her just kind of land in the midst of them and try and, try and lose her tail before she flies back.
0: Sounds good. Uh, you can go ahead and roll for her and let me know uh, how you do.
5: Yeah, that's a six for Admiral
4: Quibbles.
0: You're able to recall Admiral Quibbles, and she is on her way, having pretty successfully lost this eye patch man.
5: Yeah, so I'll, I'll hang out on top of the pagoda and keep a weather eye out both for Blue Coats and for the Admiral Quibbles.
0: Okay. Uh, so you set up on top, uh, you can go ahead and roll hunt or survey to see if people are heading in your direction yet. What is everyone else doing?
3: I'll begin setting up my not patented because I was told that was a bad idea. Ritual machine.
0: Okay. You made it. So you don't have too much trouble putting it together. Are you trying to do it quickly or, uh, well,
3: I think we have some time and uh, I'd rather do it well uh, because if I did it quickly and we failed, I don't think we'd be doing much better than being captured. So I will do it well.
0: Great. So it is going to take you to the completion of this uh, four o'clock that is called online.
4: Gawk has posted up under a giant mushroom where he has spread out the uh document detailing this ritual and is uh nervously and frantically reviewing it like a kid cramming for a test (laughs) say the words one for one did did we figure out what the words were but it was the the words of the the ingredients right oh right 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 the words the words i start circling the words
1: (laughs) all right uh i as Dirkman has posted up with a a sight line. I will uh, stay within earshot of him so that he can direct me to where he needs me to go to better enhance our our overall defenses should uh should the blue coats descend on us I will
2: be available to any of my flock should they need assistance
1: okay
0: what did you get on your survey or hunt roll
5: oh I got a I got a five
0: so Dirkman with that five uh you see uh, that there are, in fact, people heading toward your location. These are what looks like the rain-soaked blue coats that uh, you were able to avoid in the park that weren't directly engaged by the Widowmakers. Some
5: people at this point would say, hey, guys, we got company. Dirkman's just going to shoot one of them.
0: (laughs) Great. (laughs) Because it also fills the last tick on the blue coat Raid clock.
5: I fire off that shot, but I rolled a 3, a 1, and a 2. So that's, uh, that's a pretty bad failure.
0: That is, in fact, a failure. And with that failure, you miss. And now they know exactly where, you're, where you are. So uh, I'm going to move uh, the group's uh, position from Controlled to Risky.
1: Ah shit. Uh Morgan, uh ten o'clock. On it. I go I go running towards the group to engage. What? What what's happening? Why are there gunshots? Don't worry about it,
3: Gawk. Keep working.
0: Uh uh Uh, uh okay, Morgan. Um
3: Uh before you go, uh I'm gonna flash back to taking uh the spark tech from her punching gauntlets and Put them on a power fist of sorts, a pneumatic system to enhance her punches.
0: Go ahead and roll tanker. Six. How did you come up with the idea for these spark tech uh, gauntlets, Um, Dub?
3: Well, being hit with pneumatic things hurts a lot. (laughs) But what if you've put the spark tech on the end of a pneumatic thing and both of those hit you? That would hurt even more. <laughs>
0: you say over a nice pot of tea at the tea shop. <laughs> so absolutely, uh, mark off uh, one of your load. Um, and uh, Sister Morgan, you now have cool a pneumatic spark tech gauntlet things. Uh, and your, your punches will now... Uh, have a greater effect
1: uh, yeah as I uh, as I move in the rain uh, Dirkman pointing me in a direction uh, I, I run forward and I throw off the the coat I've been wearing uh, to reveal these these like from my uh, a little bit above my elbow down to my knuckles gauntlets that uh, that dub has made me and I kind of engage them like pressing my pressing the backs of my fists against each other and sliding to like lock them in and get the electricity current going. And uh, sparks start popping off of my my arms as I run up, and uh, yeah, I will, I will clock the nearest uh, blue coat across the face, and just start fighting all of them at once if I can.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. So you run in the direction uh, that Dirkman has told you, and just as they come through, uh, sort of like a a, a viney brambly area you see that there are four of them. And go ahead and roll skirmish and see how you do.
1: I got a five.
0: Great. So you uh, see them coming and they level their guns at you and you s- you drop to your knees and, and you've gained enough speed that you slide in and pop up, uh, uppercutting one of them immediately. And you're able to, without really much trouble at all, Uh, take out three of the four. The fourth one, uh, coming out of a dodge, the fourth one is a, Looks like it's they're about to shoot you pretty much straight in the chest. And you take your hand uh, and grab the, the barrel of their gun and move it away. And as it goes off, clear of you and anyone behind you, the heat from the gun actually burns uh, your fingertips. Uh, you can choose to resist this damage, uh, which would be uh, a level one harm uh, that we'll call... Burnt hand
1: I, I, yeah, I will take the level one harm. Uh, I push the gun off to the side it goes off, and i uh, I hold on to it for a little bit longer than I should, and as I let go, I feel the the singeing pain on on my joints uh
0: and with your off hand, you clock him in the face and and he's <laughs> and he's out.
5: shit, that was a way cooler first move. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, but uh, even though Morgan has taken care of a group of them, uh, there are more coming into the clearing now. As always, um, initiative isn't really a thing. You just kind of do the thing. I can make you resist if you want. Um, if you if you decide to take no actions, uh, but as long as you are taking actions, then the narrative moves forward.
3: Brother Theodore, would you mind lending a hand? Of course. Where do you need me? Brother Theodore and I begin working on the ritual machine.
0: Go ahead, roll tinker, or whatever else you want to do.
3: Uh,
2: I will activate foresight uh, and assist without paying stress. Okay. I have many times used one of Dub's creations, and the assembly process in particular I have found to be tumultuous at best. So... (laughs) As over the past week and a half or so as Dub put together this machine, every now and then I would call Dub down to the basement and ask him to walk me through putting it together. (laughs) (laughs) Dub, you've drawn this diagram, and none of the parts on this diagram are here in front of me. (laughs) Oh, wait. Yes. Over there. Uh, Okay, so is the diagram part of it, or did you... Is this nothing?
3: Dub, is this diagram anything? Let me see. Th- oh, that's an old diagram. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I remember it anyway. Just uh, follow my lead. Great. Five.
0: Okay, great. Uh, so that is a partial, and we'll tick uh, two ticks on the online clock. And um, a few sparks flare out as uh, they're a little wet and um, you nearly electrocute yourself, but, uh, but you have put some of the parts together. The basin is a little wonky still,
4: though. Jerkman, where did you say they were coming from? 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, that way, that way. Okay, hold on, folks, uh, and I'm gonna stuff the ritual into my cloak and close my eyes and focus. Uh, I'm going to flashback, and I'm going to pay a coin for a downtime activity to have prepared my summoning ritual uh so i'm gonna take four stress and i on the direction that uh dirkman said that they're coming from i want to uh summon my uh little goop monster back from wherever he's hanging out right now (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, great you um, hastily stuff your your notes and and the ritual book and all that uh, into your pocket so that it won't get rained on. Uh, you step out uh, into the the black rain and next to uh, a puddle um, that's that's uh, f- collected nearby your your mushroom canopy and you start to sort of swirl, uh, your hands like, uh, as if it was over a cauldron flaring out your fingers and sort of coaxing, uh, this puddle to become from like ashen, dirty, toxic void water rain into, a, an Aralaxian ichor. And as it becomes more viscous and it starts moving and undulating, uh, it starts sort of t- collecting the rain around it uh, as if it's got its own small gravitational pull until it reaches the size of about a small dog. And uh, it sort of like pulsates, uh, waiting for a command from you.
4: Are there structures nearby?
0: Yeah. So there are the, there's the pagoda, which um, has Dub and Theodore working on the actual, um, ritual machine uh, in it and then it also there are also the trellises that are covered in vines and and some benches there are uh, there are also uh the the statues and honorific sort of memorials uh, around
4: that that'll work like uh, memorials trellises that's perfect I basically want to um in the ghost field or or where the Icar can see it I want to paint like a little arc across structures. And, uh, I kind of want, uh, him to like stretch himself like a, like a web almost across, uh, some, like some amount of structure. Uh, like I imagine it like, uh, like a goopy lattice, uh, like stretching across, uh, the The direction that the blue coats are coming from, like a spider's web, almost to like snare them if they pass through. Uh,
0: sure. Yeah. So, uh, you sort of make a flicking motion with your hands, and it, uh, as if to send it away. Uh, and it sort of roll, bounces, slithers, uh, over to uh where the vines and and trellises are nearby, uh, and starts to um fling out little tendrils um uh so it's suspended in an air, making like almost like a spider web as it continually stretches itself out, pulling itself uh until it looks almost like a, a spider web with a with like a ball in the middle of it. Uh and and it's covered about like a 10-foot area uh almost and and you think the first or second person who Depending on how closely they are to each other, walk through that will be in for a very nasty, unneighborly surprise.
4: All right, boy. Whoever comes through, they're all yours. Are you fucking kidding me? Even Gox doing cool shit? All right,
5: this is this is this is <laughs> enough. Uh, and Dirkman's gonna push himself to use his uh, special ability, sharpshooter. Uh, And he's going to try and suppress the enemy in a way that kind of drives them uh, into the web. So the people that are like outside are the people that fall back.
0: Sure. Yeah. Go ahead and roll that.
5: And so, yeah, to to prep for this, he puts uh, his two pistols on his right side and kind of like kneels with his knee up. And uh, he's going to take the first shot with his very fine rifle. (laughs) That's a five.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you absolutely achieve driving, um, the, the people who are sort of, uh, on the wider aspects of the, the, the V from which they are coming out at you, uh, towards the Icker. Um, most of them dodge, uh, your shots, but you have successfully created this sort of funnel effect. One, uh, does however, Get uh, take a, a pot shot at you uh, that you do have to sort of dodge. Um, and on top of the pagoda, it's very slippery, um, so you do lose your footing a little bit and you uh, slide and land pretty hard on your shoulder. And you'll you'll take uh, the level one harm of bruised shoulder uh, if uh, unless you'd like to resist it. Uh, I
5: am going to try and resist it. Which attribute is that prowess?
0: Uh, that would be prowess.
5: I rolled a six there.
0: Great. Yeah. So uh, you have a hard fall, but uh, it it doesn't seem to affect you at all. Your guns don't go off. Nothing, nothing happens. You just slip a little.
1: Uh, the ones that are not being funneled uh, adequately by Dirkman, I will move to intercept them and start throwing punches.
0: Great. Uh, yeah. So... Um, you see where dirkman is shooting and and follow his line of sight and you come across uh another three individuals and you engage them that's six great yeah uh they don't even see you coming they're so concerned with dirkman's uh gunfire that uh that you come out of nowhere um and just clock them all with your Kung Fu pneumatic spark fists, um, you actually are able to drive your fist into some mud and also electrocute them while you're at it. So you, you're just having a field day, letting out all that anger you've been trying to be really neighborly about, uh, and you look pretty cool doing it kind of dripping in this like black rain in this torrential downpour with these cool sparky gloves, uh, You're in your element, if there ever was an element that was yours.
3: Uh, Brother Theodore, that's upside down. (laughs) And also in the wrong spot. Then why
2: is the text in right side up this way, Dub? You know what? Never mind.
3: I'm just going to flip it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so I could remind me that it was the wrong way. That doesn't make any sense here. Put it in the right place. (laughs) All right. One, two, three. And we will continue working on the ritual machine.
0: Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll.
3: Uh, four.
0: Okay. Uh, so, uh, you, uh, constantly replacing what Theodore, uh, is placing down as per your instructions. Uh, you've been able to uh, slowly but surely piece together the the machine that you've built over the past few weeks. And as it's complete, you, uh, very excitedly, uh, jump the gun and turn it on. Uh, you've fulfilled that clock. It is now online. Uh, and as you do, you forgot to put the, uh, Sparkcraft, uh, dampener on the top. Um, and what that does is, uh, stop the, uh, otherwise, uh, pillar of light that goes straight up into the sky from reflecting downward into the basin. It is a, it's just a cool thing that you thought would look really neat if you just lit it up that way. It, it doesn't affect uh, the ritual mechanically at all. It was just like a cool little detail that you decided to add, but you forgot to put that mirror on in time before you turned it on. And what has happened now is you've got a visual reminder through the black rain that something ghosty and is going on right here and I'm going to move you guys into a desperate position
3: Damn my love for the
1: theatrics
5: (laughs) (laughs) From the ground lying on his shoulder uh, Dirkman just shakes his head at himself and thinks why does this group have such a fucking hard time with prowling and being sneaky and (laughs) just being incognito why is that such a fucking issue
4: yeah, Gok turns around and, and and looks at this machine and is like, wait a wait, wait, wait a minute, what's this? What is that? What's that doing there?
3: Oh, that's just uh that's just how this works. Don't worry about it. Uh c-
4: I'm worried about <laughs> it. Do you hear that, Gok?
3: That's just how this
2: works. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine, Gok, it's fine. I don't think there's time to continue this argument. Gok, <laughs> if you would please ready the ritual.
4: <laughs> I get in place and uh say Dirkman, get Morgan back here. Uh at that moment Admiral Quibbles swoops down from the sky,
5: uh and lands on your shoulder and gives the side of her face a little peck.
1: <laughs> I I almost swat her away and then I realize what's going on and uh I take Admiral Quibbles uh hoping that Dirkman can hear th- uh hear as I say, "I'm on my way, get it started." And I I kind of toss Admiral Quibbles so that she flies back towards the uh Uh, ...towards the rest of the group, and I'm going to hold the line for a little while longer here. Find another group that's starting to encroach on us and try to take them out.
0: Uh, Go ahead and roll skirmish again.
1: I'm going to push myself here uh, to find as large a group as I possibly can... ...using my uh, special ability not to be trifled with, which allows me to engage with a small gang of people on equal footing. Okay, great. Instead of taking a dive for pushing myself, I will go for added effect... Uh, to try and um, make a, a bit of a spectacle of uh, of this fight. So I draw a little bit more attention to myself. If I can get them to kind of rally around trying to capture me, when I eventually retreat, uh, Dirkman has more people to shoot at. I got two sixes. Well, you definitely create that spectacle. Uh, you are... Um,
0: I think you've just created Kung Fu. Um, <laughs> you are... Uh, whirlwind of electricity and fists as you um just brawl your way through what has become sort of like the front line uh, as they come at you you uh, are dodging and dipping and bobbing and weaving and punching and then punching again and then punching again and then electrocuting a person uh and generally just being Really cool. Uh, and, and you can hear people shouting like, oh, over here, we need help. Uh, as, as more and more like it is a never ending line of blue coats. And, and there's a, a smaller and smaller space to fight them at as they fall.
1: Yeah, I, I employ the same tactics of, uh, that seemed to work before, where wherever there's puddles or lines of, of bodies of water that I can uh, uh, send currents through to take out multiple at a time, I just keep, uh, keep utilizing that and then uh, throwing punches whenever someone gets too close. Morgan's coming. We need to go now.
4: But, but she needs to be here now. She's
5: coming, Gawk. She is on her way. We need to go now.
4: <sighs> okay, here we go. I got this. Uh, pull my spirit mask back over my face, uh, wide bulging, uh, first, second, and third eyes. I commence the ritual. Uh, and, uh, I begin at the North side of the machine where I feed in the spirit bottle with the, uh, fresh spirit and release that into the portal from the North side. And, uh, A breath of air. Uh, And I move to uh, the east side and tip the decanter of Leviathan blood into the portal. A drop of water moving to the south side of the machine. uh, I slot the stone basin underneath uh, the portal to uh, contain and shape it. A moat of earth. And on the west side of the of the device, I tip the tallow candle onto uh, a wick that feeds into the portal, uh, lighting it ablaze, a gout of fire. And then um, the machine, I think, is calibrated right. It faces a different direction for every person who puts a pound of flesh in. And I throw in the pound of flesh that I have. And I say a pound of flesh and the machine like like rotates like one tick and I shout it's ready.
0: Yeah. And as you toss in the pound of flesh, this portal that was sort of um, uh, translucent and otherwise um, sort of like almost there, but it didn't look quite right. It had like a heavy border, but then nothing, uh, you you could just see the other side of the pagoda um, through it, uh, sort of becomes solid. And then an arcane sort of like ripple effect happens and it becomes this mirrored sort of pool, like mercurial pool. um, And as the, the flesh... Sticks into the mercurial pool and begins to sort of create waves from the impact. It looks like uh, slowly the flesh is being eaten by the pool, as as like sort of tentacle like um, tendrils start to circle around uh, the 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 edge of the portal, um, and it looks like you have only moments before this pound of flesh has been eaten.
4: Brace be unto Aralax. It's ready.
5: Admiral Quibbles is going to swoop down again. And uh, this time on the other side of your face, peck you three times really hard in the temple.
1: (laughs) On the third peck, I do swat her away (laughs) as gently as I can. So as not to hurt the bird, but to send a message to, to Dirkman that that was unnecessary.
2: (laughs) Uh, With the portal open, I will turn to Dub. Brother Dub through the portal. Uh, give me your pound of flesh. I
3: comply. Praise be unto Aralex. Try and build some shelter if you can. <laughs> Dub nods and steps into the portal.
0: Okay, so Dub, you have to kind of jump into it. So you, to the best of your ability, uh, you're like, okay. And uh, as you're in um, the north position, you jump in and you feel sort of like this like icy burning sensation and uh gawk if you would roll a tune for me
4: that seems appropriate i'm going to use my special armor that i have from warded to push myself when i deal with arcane forces i got a five
0: okay so dub as you begin to uh To go through, uh, first your hand uh, reaches out and goes through the portal and you can feel like a burning, like a cold burning sensation. Um, And as you go through, there's this immense pain at the tips of your fingers and uh, the rest of you quickly follows uh, and then you feel nothing. Consequences to come in a little bit. Who's next?
2: I will turn to Gawk. I'll hand him dub's pound of flesh, uh and I will reach into my jacket and I will pull out uh Daphne's ritual book, and I will hand it to him. Gawk, this has to survive. You're next
4: Gawk almost protests, yes, brother Theodore, and uh tosses a pound of flesh he was handed into the portal. The machine rotates and he looks back uh at. Uh, brother Theodore at uh, Dirkman and often the distance through through the rain uh, sister Morgan kind of winces and steps through the portal
0: so as you uh, sort of step into the portal uh, because from this this approach there's a there's a little stairs on the pagoda uh, and uh, as you do you you look back And you look at your family uh, and the final look from the inside of Duskball for at least a little while and you feel this sort of like icy, burning sensation on like the side of your face that first touches the portal. Um, And then in an instant you feel nothing as you go through. Uh,
2: I will turn to Dirkman next. Dirkman, there's no scenario in which the two of them Survive in the Deathlands without you. (laughs) I'll cover Morgan. It's time to go. Dirkman
5: doesn't really think about it. He's given an order. He hands you uh, one of his pistols. He shoulders his uh, very fine rifle, takes a shot with the other pistol, kind of tosses the pound of flesh over his shoulder into the portal and uh, steps backwards into it.
0: So as you, uh, step backwards, uh, through the portal, your last look, uh, is brother Theodore gently placing your pistol in, into his coat pocket and, uh, and you step back, uh, and you feel on the back of your neck, like right where your back meets your neck, you feel, um, this sort of like icy burning sensation. And uh, and then the the mercurial substance covers over your face, and uh, you feel nothing. Uh,
2: and I will look out to Morgan, just beating the shit out of a bunch of blue coats. <laughs> uh, and I will call out to her, Morgan, it's time to go. Uh, and as I do, I will activate Tempest, and I will call down a bolt of lightning to cover her retreat.
1: Hearing theodore's voice echo through the rain almost supernaturally not dampened at all as is usual for theodore he will be able to cut me out of my my sort of bloodlust uh as i dispatch a couple more uh blue coats i hear him yell uh, yell out and uh i'm gonna mark off two of my load here uh and i will aid him by uh taking off one of the gauntlets and pulling a cord out of it that uh Dub specifically told me that I should never pull out and I inferred that that meant that it would turn it into some sort of explosive uh i rip out i rip out that cord and throw it on the ground uh so that when brother theodore uh calls down the bolt of lightning it falls right into that that supercharged gauntlet and just makes a massive explosion behind me as i come running up and with a bit of a grin at the idea of it i snatch admiral quibbles out of the uh out of the sky and stuff her into my jacket and i start running
0: Brother Theater, go ahead and roll a tune for your lightning.
2: That is two sixes. (laughs) I think not only does it work, she's backlit quite cinematically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as Morgan uh, runs toward the pagoda and the machine and the portal, behind her crashes down just the largest bolt of lightning uh, outside of the lightning fences, uh, and it hits smack dab onto the uh, onto Dubs' bomb turned pneumatic gauntlet, and uh, the, a giant explosion uh, just occurs, obliterating just a line uh, of the park, and with it, many people. Bells start chiming all over the city as this uh, lightning explosion rocks the very foundations of six towers. Uh, And Morgan is pushed forward, almost flying as her feet, barely touch the ground from the from the um
1: concussive wave that that is from this explosion uh using that momentum to my advantage i just toss the flesh ahead of me and just kind of clutch uh the pigeon against my chest and uh uh like a footballer diving into the end zone i just uh duck and jump in
0: so uh as you um charge at the portal, tossing the flesh out in front of you and uh, shouldering through, uh, you feel this cold, burning sensation on the, the, your upper arm and, and shoulder as it touches the portal. And you see Brother Theodore backlit by lightning uh, just before uh, the, the mercurial liquid uh, of the portal covers over you and uh, you see nothing.
2: Now sure that the rest of my flock is through the portal, uh, I will take out Daphne's head and turn back and take one last look at six towers and this park, which I assume is now on fire. And just... This was a nice neighborhood. Why'd you have to ruin it, Daphne? And then I'll put her head in the portal and follow after.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In an almost resigned and sad sort of way to be leaving this very nice neighborhood and reflecting on Daphne's um, betrayal of all of you. uh, You dip your head and just step through the portal and you feel on the top of your head, uh, this cold burning sensation. And uh, the last thing you see are your very fine shoes uh, as the mercurial liquid covers your eyes and you know, no more. And that's where we'll end the session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. This series of the Essential NPCs podcast is based on Blades in the Dark, a product of 17 Design, developed and authored by John Harper, and licensed for use by EMPC Productions under Creative Commons Attribution. For more information, go to www.bladesinthedark.com dot com.